0: hey friend welcome to the planter podcast refocus on faith growth and lifestyle this is a podcast that propels both men and women to live their god-given purpose one conversation at a time i'm your host damio shodi and i'm so happy that you're here listening to the
1: planter podcast
0: on this episode of the planter podcast
1: been and i think a lot of times we talk and we say oh my gosh like i just don't understand like these kids these days like nobody do be have their heart for christ like they used to and i'm like is it really that or is it really that people just don't want to put up with the same shenanigans that gets blanketed that gets blanketed with christ anymore <laughs> like i really
2: question like what exactly is happening here i think this issue is so multifaceted it's just layers and layers of systematic Oppression, patriarchy, societal—you know—flaws that can't just be, you know, undone with a couple of hashtags. You know, it's going to take different factors to uh, and to be implemented for us to deal with this. Um, these factors include things on a political level, on a um, social level. And even personally, things that we individually can do to make sure that we're not perpetuating or, you know, adding to this very toxic, patriarchal way of addressing issues when it comes from women. And there's also this thing with, uh, with uh, children, too because apparently we live in a society where children don't really have a voice yet. We need to do it, uh, uh, we have to be a little bit more intentional about making sure that they're protected. Yes, in society, women, the elderly, and all those are people are, um, that we care deeply about, but when it comes to protecting them in, in, in a platform where it matters, we really kind of shy away from it. Um, Going, this is going back to what see, um, Dami said earlier about the little girl and the congregation told her to shut up when she called out and said somebody had hurt her. And, you know, you know, you dismiss it. You dismiss what little kids say because it's like, oh, kids say the darnest things. But like Dami said, a kid cannot make that up unless they've been exposed to it. And the thing about women, no matter what age you are as a woman, your voice is stifled, you know, by a lot of different things. One being that um, women and, and one being the rape culture, you know, people always go to the rescue of, of men and saying, oh my gosh, this, this, this woman who's called out, this person has defamed this person's image, but this person defamed this person's image by raping someone else or sexually assaulting someone else, you know, but they, you know, they, 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 they demonize the victim, and that's something too. So the fact that we're able to see how closely related that this issue is affecting the people that we run to, we run into every day, um, our families, our sisters, our coworkers, you know, our doctors, like different people, it's making it more relatable to people. So it's making people care, and once people care, that's when change can actually happen.
0: True, true. What about you, Essie? What do you think?
1: I think there's no need in echoing um, Tanika's thoughts, so I think that I agree.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I think for me, I'll take it in a different direction. This kind of goes back to the I guess purity culture and how churches can I guess talk about sex in a healthier way. Um, Like we were saying before, I think we need to stop putting the burden so much on women and think of sex and all those things as it's a both a male and female's responsibility because, you know, we paint this picture that men are not able to control themselves, that they're visual beings. So it obviously was your fault that he did that to you. It was your fault because you wore a skirt, even though this is a six-year-old child. Like, it's your fault that um, he was attracted to you. And to me, that just doesn't make any sense. We need to teach men or we need to hold men accountable for their actions and teach them how to or other men teach them how to control possible lust because the thing is we make it seem like they're not capable of controlling themselves and then we perpetuate that like oh boys will be boys or you know I had somebody tell me that you know your husband is going to cheat on you like and this is somebody who's very close to me she said your husband is going to cheat on you it just depends on how you respond to it but it's going to happen and I was just like well god like are you like you know like i I prayed about it because i was like god i can't take that as like this is like so so you mean to tell me that i'm gonna wake up every day and hope that today is not the day that he cheats on me i'm like what kind of life is that you know and through that god kind of revealed to me the importance of having boundaries and self-control like during your dating time and all those things learning how to control yourself so you don't fall into temptations like that but what I'm trying to say here is how we can talk about sex, health, like, in a better way. We need to put the responsibility as equal on men and women. Especially when it comes to modesty, as you were saying. Like, it's like, you know, I have a body. Like, we all have bodies on this. Like, everybody here, like, we all think, you know. No matter what we wear, it's going to sometimes come off, I guess, in a quote-unquote sexual manner. But it's not my fault. I'm just wearing a dress. You feels So it's just like... I shouldn't have the burden put on me that oh because it's what you wore um, this is why he's lustful or this because of what he wore that's what made him attracted to kids or because of what you wore um, that's why he uh, he feels that he has the right to touch you any way that he feels like it because you know some men do believe that um, they have the ability to touch women any type of way to, depending on what how they're dressed like like you give them that right which is completely incorrect so i would say we need to really put the focus again on both men and women and teach both men and women how to be modest not just how they dress but in their minds to renew their minds like the men that are in the church like teach the younger men like that are struggling and women too because i mean women lust and women you know we're human beings but we need to yeah just just be better like t- teach us or help help us learn how to control our thoughts to have more pure thoughts that we're not thinking that it's okay to just touch anybody at any age anyhow. I think that's my two cents on that question.
1: Well, I think that we should expound on that more because in order okay. to think the, for that to actually happen is that we have to address patriarchy and address the system and address how it's embedded and perpetuated within the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are narrative, the only reason why men we're taught to perceive, well, the only reason why we're taught to perceive ourselves and perceive women and men in such ways is because that's what we're taught within the system. And that's what we're taught. Like we're taught different narratives about what's masculine and what's feminine um, and how that should be s- scripted in both women and men. So, like we're taught that men are these aggressive, animalistic, uncontrolled. Well, we'll say aggressive, um, very like animalistic, very like, you know, take charge, whatever. Like we kind of taught, we kind of teach these things and teach these narratives. Um, and then we perpetuate that even within our own faith. And then we teach certain narratives about women, that they're submissive, they are servants, um, they are should be mute. Um, there's just certain things that we teach that are that are embedded in the way that um, we we view and we see things. And even when you talk about oh, you know, women, um, 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 men feeling like they can do things, I mean, like it's perpetuated, right, in our faith. And a lot of times that's male entitlement. Like we teach that men are entitled to women's bodies, or it, we teach that men are entitled um and women are just not autonomous like men are entitled to women and men are women are constantly under the male gaze if that makes sense like we're constantly under the male gaze whether or not whether we need to be modest whether we need to be this and that and those are just certain things that we're taught and until we address that and have conversations about that and really kind of like i would say decondition a lot of what we've been taught that is perpetuated within the faith then we won't like we can scrape the surface a little bit like these hashtags do a really great job of kind of like um, putting things into the forefront and starting conversations. But then we'll have to have more and more deep and intentional conversations about patriarchy, and about certain things that we're taught to believe that are perpetuate that perpetuate other problematic things. Because at first it doesn't seem like it's a big deal until we see it show up in more drastic ways, such as assault. Or such as discrimination or violence or rape or whatever. So I think that all the things that you mentioned connect back to just the system of how we're taught to perceive, things, like how we're taught to review masculinity and how that should be scripted in men and the fact that we, um, we perpetuate male entitlement. Like we think men, like, and that's just really what it is. That like, and you know, a lot of that is even in the like, girl, once you marry child, that's, you know what I'm saying? That's your husband, like he he's your husband. You gotta do what you gotta do. you that's, that's yours right there, blah, blah, blah. Like the elders in the church say some crazy stuff and you're like, "Mm, I don't know about all that. Like a lot of times, like, I think I mentioned it before, like abuse, um, domestic violence and other things get perpetuated. People use, do scripture, people use scripture to perpetuate those things. People make it seem like when you're married, your husband can do whatever you want because that's, that's now like you're his, you're his property. So like, if you don't want to do that like there, there are just certain things that perpetuate and that's certain things that we really have to have a conversation about like what does it look like um what does consent look like and what does that mean you know as a person of faith what does that look like for me um what is like what is, what do you like like what what is entitlement what does this entitlement come from what are these narratives that we talk about what is it coming from and 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 when we when we even when we say scripture we say certain things what actually, what does that actually mean like, when we get married, what voice do women have? Like, are women property when they get married? Or like, what exactly? Like, there's just certain things we need to have, and we need to push through the discomfort of having those conversations, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. 100% sense. And, um,
0: I would say also that sometimes uh, the church can limit people to critically think. Because, like you were saying about consent, Why would it be a problem if somebody said, well, you know what, babe, not tonight. Like, you know, I'm just not in the mood. How about, you know, another time? Like, what's wrong with that? You know, and then the argument can come about of submission that, oh, wives, submit to your husband as unto the Lord. But then the verse underneath it says that husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church. Christ wouldn't beat his wife or the church. He wouldn't basically rape his wife or the church. Or do these things. But we don't question scripture. Like we take things just verbatim. And and we take it for what it is. But we have to learn how to question things. Like okay what is the meaning? Let's critically think as to what this means. And sometimes like it kind of just shows that maybe the people who are teaching these things to um, the younger generation. Or to the people in the congregation do not have a real relationship with Christ. Because I'm just like why would you perpetuate an idea that is just. It hasn't, like, Jesus would never do something like that. You know, and it's also becoming an issue that we don't know how to separate, um, I guess, people's actions from Jesus, especially people looking from the outside. They believe that, you know, this is part of Christian culture, like, that Jesus would accept this. But I'm just like, no, if you read the scriptures and you scriptures and you ask questions, he would never insinuate that you should do something like that. Or any of this is right. Or... Touching little children is right. Like, I remember, not that even I remember, I read in the scripture that it's, that Jesus was like, it's better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself in the ocean than for you to mislead a child or children like these. Like, you're misleading people by, by your actions, but to bring it back to what you're saying or what you said that, yeah, we need to start questioning things that, um, we've been taught like that society has taught us we need to not just think that the status quo is a status quo and that's how it's going to be no we have to learn to critically think like i always say that god didn't make stupid children and he's not stupid so he gave us the brain to think and ask questions i think it's just a matter of giving people the tools and the ability to ask questions and i think by questioning certain things that we take as normal gives people the ability to start like thinking a little bit deeper as to what ideas that they're perpetuating or act, like, yeah, what activities and things that they're perpetuating that
1: don't really align with scripture at all. That's my take on that. Yeah, I agree. And I think that there's a new generation. I, I don't even think it's the, I think it's a, it's a lot of what's regurgitated from the old, older generation that just gets passed down because it never gets questioned or challenged. And I think that as a result there's just a lot of young people in frustration that are just leaving the church and that are walking away and they're finding their own journey um and they're discovering things on their own and they're just figuring it out themselves and um even if it takes them even if it takes them out to, like outside the church holding high holding a service or whatever or bible study in their own house or their friend's house or whatever or on the block people are just finding their own ways and finding their own journey simply because like there's just certain things that are just not being challenged or being discussed and it just can't continue to happen. And I think a lot of times we talk and we say, Oh my gosh, like I just don't understand like these kids, these days, like nobody do be have their heart for Christ like they used to do. And I'm like, is it really that, or is it really that people just don't want to put up with the same shenanigans that gets blanketed that gets blanketed with Christ anymore. <laughs> like I really question like what exactly is happening here? Like, it's just always like, people are just not doing it like you used to, or maybe people are just kind of like, uh, that's just not, that's just not cool. That just makes sense. Like, you know, so I just, I I just think that if people really want to like, I don't know, I just feel like there is a kind of like a, uh, not a revival, but, yeah maybe such or something was agree. happening people are just like something has to really change like something has to give and people are not looking at god and finding god and, and feeling god and, and and god in the same traditional ways people want more and people are asking more and people are demanding more and i think rightfully so it calls for it i mean time something's got to give it happened in, in the bible so something's just got to give where people where times are changing Everything's changing, and people are questioning, and they demanding more, and they need more, and yeah, yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. I think what you said was is head on, Esty. Um, people. It's not that people don't have a heart for Christ anymore. People are not willing to be silent in the name of Christ, quote unquote, because people think just being quiet is what it it means to be a Christian. Um, I think, honestly, to tell you the truth, this is what happens from generational, um, just been a generation's worth of pain and abuse. At the end of the day, we are human beings. This is a human experience. Being Christian is a human experience because at the end of the day, we're still human. You can't tell me repeated, perpetuated, toxic, actions are not going to affect your human experience. There are, and and this issue that we're talking about leads into other subjects such as mental illness, you know? And then there is trauma that happens when someone is sexually assaulted, especially as a child. And and if and if we take the route of being silent instead of actually dealing with the issue, you're going to grow up having kids who are now Traumatized adults suffering from mental illness, and that's going to become the norm. And eventually, we're just going to have malfunctioning adults running things and doing things. And this is the result of what we're seeing now. Our generation right now is calling everyone out on their on their shenanigans. Per se, the buck stops here. That's what we're saying. And now. To our parents and to their parents, it seems like we're just this rebellious, loud, uncooperative bunch. But honestly, truly, we're tired of the burden of having to deal with toxic things. It's such a millennial thing to call people out on their toxicity because we can't perpetuate it anymore. Um, So what we're doing is exactly what we need to be doing. Because at the end of the day, yes, I am a Christian. That is my identity. I look like Christ. I'm human. Christ didn't tell me that I'm not going to still experience the things. Because if Christ can go and feel what he he wept, Jesus wept because he felt pain. Okay, he wept. So that means I too can feel, and I I'm I'm in pain. We need to address it because you pretending that I didn't get hurt is not going to take away from that pain, and it's counterproductive as a church. Because guess what? It's only going to cause a wedge, a bigger wedge between that person and their relationship with Christ. Because guess what, the first people we see when it comes to our church and our representation of God is our leaders. You know, yes, my Kawaka as a, as a Christian is not reflective on one man, but guess what, this person is, is supposed to be the leader, the shepherd, who needs to look like Christ? If the person that's quote unquote supposed to look like Christ is not protecting me, how can I develop a deep enough relationship to trust God and and trust Him to 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 to, to protect me in this walk as a Christian? Uh, and yeah, you know, there's other counter product um, counter um, rebuttals to what I just said because, like, oh no, you're supposed to follow Christ on your own. But guess what? Examples. You lead by how people, what people see. Your life is the ultimate, you know, witnessing to other people. It's the ultimate Bible to other people, including the people in the church, you know. So a lot of those people leaving the church, those young people leaving the church I guarantee you some of them were hurt and the church didn't do nothing about it. That's what they're leaving. They're seeking refuge. They're not leaving the church. They're seeking refuge, which is sad because the church is supposed to be refuge.
1: Or they had questions and they wanted more. They needed to hear more. And they were just dismissed.
2: Yeah, you, that's the truth. And that's what happened with Dominic. This is a result of what critical thinking is, you know, they, they, they this generation is, was taught in school to to think critically. A lot of of us and our millennials now, we're educated. That's one thing of being educated is you think critically, you ask questions. That's the sign of intelligence, you know? So... The prior generation wasn't taught that, so they don't really know how to respond to us with actual answers. Um, I can recall being as a kid, if you're curious and you ask anything relating to sex, adults will be like, oh, oh, what? You know, stop that. Don't talk about that. That's nothing for a child to talk about. Okay, now I'm no longer a child as an adult. No one talks about it. Who is supposed to teach me? You know, so we really don't talk about things. That's why I said, the first step is to talk about it. I think it would be safe to say that there needs to be a sexual education class in church. And I know that's going to be a very controversial thing because people are going to say that, oh, you're going to teach kids about sex and they're going to want to have sex. Guess what, mom and dad? I'm going to find out about sex whether you tell me or not. Because you didn't tell me, my friends are going to tell me. And I'm going to have to learn by myself. And it's probably not going to be as easy if you had just told me about it from the get-go.
0: All righty. Yo, that wraps up part two of this mini-series. Yo, like, this conversation was so bomb. I was just re-listening to this and I was just like, dang. Like, you guys are so right. Oh, my gosh. There's a couple things that I want to recap on when it comes to this episode. First things first, we really need to start challenging um, society's standards of men and how we perceive men and perceive women. So basically their interactions, what it means to be a wife and a husband in marriage. And like, as he said, tackling patriarchy, that seems to be the root of our issue and how it's infiltrated the Christian faith. Number two, millennials are not crazy um critical thinking is what we do like we are not playing no type of games out here we challenging everything so you know for the old generation we're not nuts I think like we said in the conversation we're just not down for like the bs anymore so that is something that's definitely um helping out the situation and number three we gotta talk to our kids we gotta talk to them about sex because somebody's gonna do it and you know if you don't equip your kids with the information and the tools to for one know what it is and know they have consent then they're not gonna have that power and then somebody can just come up in there and just deceive them any type of way so yeah those are the three things just want to recap on that stay tuned for part three love y'all really appreciate you so much for listening bye Thank you so much for listening to The Planter Podcast. If you are absolutely loving the content that The Planter is creating, well, go ahead and subscribe to The Planter on iTunes. For more updates and staying connected with me, you can also subscribe to The Planter at theplanter.com. So that's T-H-E-P-L-A-N-N-T-E-R.com. To become a part of our community, you can find us on Facebook at The Planter Community to stay connected with like-minded individuals who are trying to grow just like you. And you can find The Planter on all social media handles at The Planter. So thank you so much for listening, and I'll speak to you on the next episode.